You're listening to the Story Embers podcast, a podcast dedicated to guiding and inspiring Christian storytellers to glorify God with excellent craftsmanship. I'm your host, James Nola, and welcome to episode 61, Drawing Themes from Your Own Life. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Story Embers podcast. I am your host, James Nola. I'm Laurie Scott. I'm Josiah DeGraff. And I'm Gabrielle Pollock. And today we're talking about the topic, drawing themes from your own life. It is said that someone who wants to write a great story must first live a great story. We have so many challenges and personal journeys of character growth that we go through. But how do we draw from the themes in our own life when we're writing a story? In what ways can our stories be inspired by our real-world struggles? I'm really excited to talk to you guys about this topic today. And the first question I want to throw your way is, themes can be really powerful when you tackle questions you've wrestled with in real life. So how do you begin tackling those questions that you've wrestled with in your stories? And what should you be wary of when doing this? So I think the way to begin doing so is to begin by just being aware of the stories that God is telling in your life. The more cognizant you are about the ways that God has been working your life, has been growing you, the things he's put you through, the more you'll be able to better see different potential fodder for stories. So I just begin by thinking about what are the experiences you've had where God has taught you something meaningful or where you've gone through something meaningful, which often are going to be some of the more painful things that we go through. So you might consider thinking about painful experiences you've gone through and think about what did God teach me through them. I think the process of keeping a journal can be really valuable for writers, both in terms of helping you develop more intentionality in your own thought life and the different things that you're considering. But it also gives you something to go back to when you're later trying to draw on different experiences you've gone through for story fodder. Probably the main thing that I just encourage writers to be wary of is that I think sometimes there can be a danger of being so close to certain things that a story is written more to help ourselves process things. Uh, as opposed to something that is uh, always going to be beneficial for readers. Uh, That doesn't mean it's wrong to write those sorts of stories by any means. But I do think that when we're looking at the the first draft versus the second draft of the story, one of the things we do need to remember is just because something meant a lot for us to write it doesn't always mean that it's going to mean a lot for readers to be able to read it, right? Right. We need to be uh, willing to put our editing hat on at times and to think about, okay, is this beneficial for the story? Am I writing this because it means something to me personally only? Or is it also something that's important to the story? Many of the times those scenes in our stories that mean a lot to us are also going to be meaningful for readers. But sometimes we'll go through it and realize, you know what? This was a helpful scene for me to write just to process emotionally. Or maybe this was just a scene that was meaningful to me because of things that I've gone through. But just because that's the case doesn't mean it's always going to be helpful for readers. 
And so I think that after the drafting stage, being able to go back in it with your editing hat on to make some of those hard decisions is going to be important. And good, solid beta readers, they can come in really handy in that process as well. Because if you really understand the scene and you're like, man, this is awesome. I understand the character. This is me and this character are vibing because this is something that you're really passionate about or because this is something you've recently experienced. And a beta reader looks at that and they're like, I don't, I don't understand. I don't know what's going on. It can either mean, one, you haven't expressed the influences that have led that character up to that choice, or it could just be possible that the similarities between you and that character are really making it hard for you to communicate as a writer. So keeping tabs on your reactions as you read beta reader feedback is also really important and can be a great indicator of maybe I'm a little too close or maybe this is where I need to edit to communicate instead of just to speak and express. I like both of those ideas that you expressed. I'm a teacher at heart. So a lot of times when I think about theme, I think about it as a teacher. When I'm working with kids, I'm looking at what is it that I want them to take away? What is it that I want them to learn? I don't always learn those lessons very easily or very well in my own life. I make lots of mistakes. And I think one of the things that we have to keep in mind when we're writing this, and Josiah kind of hit on this too, is we don't want it to become like a soapbox that we get up on and we and we're preaching, like this is what you need to learn. Instead, we really want to allow our main characters to make mistakes. We want it to be clear, I think, as a, as a children's writer, I, I want it to be clear what the takeaway value is, what that theme is, but I don't want to necessarily give it to my reader. I want them to go through the same mistakes that the main character does and then let them draw those conclusions. This is where I need to be. I myself might have gone through the experience and felt those things. I have to find a way to tap into that, draw on that resource, but still at the same time, let the reader experience it. That's what teachers have to do. I mean, we know all the answers, right? But we have to guide our students to that point where they can get that aha moment for themselves. I like how you said the aha moment. That's, that's cool. And just the fact that one of our goals as writers is to help readers find that moment for themselves and lead them there as opposed to spoon feeding that to them. Yes, we are signposts along the road. And as Lori was talking, I was thinking about another indicator that you may be feeling too strongly about something is, well, maybe not specifically that you're feeling too strongly about it, but you might be too close to it, is if all your characters are polarized on one issue and then the characters on one side of the issue are all awful and they're sinners and they're terrible people and then the people on the other side of the issue are all saints and they're perfect. So if there's not an even ratio of flaws between the two sides of what you're working through and if you can't understand characters on both sides, that also can be an indicator that you're a little too close to something and that you're trying to create a story to pound some sort of moral or resolution into a reader's head. So that's another indicator that's a little more obvious. But I think part of the question that I was thinking about when James asked it was, how do you tackle questions from your own life? Which I found interesting because I don't do that. I never intentionally take a question and put it in a character and make them run with it. That's from my own life because I write very intuitively. And so if my character does come out with something that reflects myself as a person, and they always do without fail, 
it's not because I've put it in there because I've searched through it. It's because it just comes out of who I am, which I think is a very great tool, but also makes it really dangerous to write that way. Because if you are an intuitive writer and you simply write off of what's in your heart, you have to make sure what's in your heart is what God has placed there and not something that's going to put toxins into your reader's life. Your heart is a well and you don't want to be pouring dirty water out onto your readers. But I tend to cop out when it comes to writing about personal experiences by writing about them from a distance. I'm not very comfortable writing about characters in a contemporary context dealing with maybe religious or other issues that I've dealt with in the past. Because when I keep tabs on my emotions, when I write those sort of things, they're not necessarily emotions that I want to be writing out of, like bitterness or anger and stuff like that. While again, it could be great for me to process, I'm not going to be treating my characters very fair in the story. So I like to write things in a fantasy world in a completely different context. So even if it does reflect who I am in the end, it allows me to be more of an impartial judge and to let my characters be their lovely flawed selves. But see, I think that's part of the thing. The very heart of that is that idea of real life. And we might not experience the horrors of some of the things that we write about. Like they joke all the time about writers looking up, you know, seven ways to kill somebody. <laughs> of course, we, we, we don't have personal experience with that. But it's the very heart of us understanding these very deep emotions, because really things can be summed up generally, I feel like, in a single word, honesty, disobedience, friendship, balance, and things like that. When you experience those kinds of things, even on a smaller scale in real life, it gives you something to draw on and reach into. And it gives you a way of connecting with readers that's real and organic. And I think when we have those things in there, that's when those themes are so powerful. Like we get it. We understand the struggle. We understand the mistakes. No, I've not wanted to kill anyone, <laughs> but we can understand fear and we can understand anger or that need for justice. And those are the lighter things that we can draw on. And then as writers, take it to a different level and a different depth. That's where we plunge into that imagination. And you talk about doing it, Gabby, from an imaginary world. Well, those feelings are all rooted someplace in reality. And it's a reality that you can understand and draw on. Yeah, I love that. I love especially that idea of what emotion are you writing from that you were talking about, Gabby? And then also what themes and topics are you writing about? that you can then connect with from your own personal life um, that your your characters are experiencing, like you were talking about, Laurie. I'd love to ask you, how do you know when to keep the story similar to your own life experiences, and when is it wise to depart from reality, or when is it good to then start going more into the realm of creating and making things up? I have a book coming out in October, Offsides, and it's a YA novel. And the topics that you find in there are the idea of, you know, the introvert versus the extrovert, the wanting to be part of something, being afraid to be part of something. But there's also this, this idea of human trafficking. This is not a topic that I'm very comfortable with. So it was almost like 
C.S. Lewis once talked about writing the screw tape letters and how hard it was to get into that mindset of the evil person and try to write these things that were, they're just hard. They're hard because it's not a natural feeling for him. It's not a natural topic for me to get into, but I needed that. And that's not very similar to my life experience at all. So I know in that story, there were things that the girl went through feeling like you're part of a group, but not really part of a group. Like you belong, but you don't really belong. And, and how do I fit in and how do I find my place and, and how do I support friends and not feel like jealous of their accomplishments or, I mean, those are things that we can wrestle with every day, but then to get into that deeper thing. Yeah. I had to step away from my life experiences to do that. But what that required for me was to do research and in stepping away, you know, interviewing people, talking to people, looking up on online and looking at news reports and what's going on and how do people get hooked into human trafficking and how do we avoid those things? It made, I think, for a very powerful story. Um, I, I got some very strong feedback from my editor, like, wow, I did not see that coming and this is right. But on the other side of that, just bringing that awareness to other people that this is a thing and here's some things you can do. So yes, I did step away from my own life experiences. I needed to. Yeah, I think those are some really good thoughts, Lori, on the value of not being limited to our own experience and making sure that when we're reaching for places that are outside of our experience that we're doing the requisite research to make sure that we're portraying it accurately. I think there's a couple of different facets to this question. One is it is how do you write about the things that you haven't experienced? The other side of the question is how do you write about the things that you have experienced in a way that's helpful? I want to piggyback here off of something that Gabby said earlier that one of the things that, that she does, even if it's more of a, an instinctive thing on her part, is that she sets the different things that she's thought about or struggled with in the past in very different contexts. You know, she's done that with the fantasy context, but you can do that even if you're writing contemporary, just by making sure that you're not writing the thinly veiled autobiography or, or memoir. Now, there can be a place for doing that kind of thing and of putting your experience pretty directly on the page. But I do think that there's a time's value in changing some aspects of whatever life story you are drawing from to put on the page in order to still achieve that ideal of neutrality and objectiveness when you're depicting an issue, unless you get so wrapped up in your own experience that you don't think about all the other people involved and where their perspectives might be. Um, and so in that regard, and if you're asking the question of how much should I change something um, as I'm trying to pick part of my life on the page, I guess my answer would be as much as you think you need a change in order to be able to really come at the issue objectively so that the good guys aren't pure white and shining armor. The bad guys aren't just abominable spawns of hell that have no good traits to them, but you're really able to portray the issue with the nuance and the messiness that comes with real life issues. And it does, as Josiah said, ultimately come down to your personal decision of what you think is best, but whatever you choose, go for it confidently. Cause even if you are a little bit wrong, 
and you do end up with some of those black and white characters and you do end up realizing, ha, I think I might have to deal with this in my real life. It's not like you completely ruined a novel. You, you had a lot of good experiences from it and it really helped you as a person. So even if you're a little insecure about this whole, what do I put in my novel? What do I not? Write it anyway. It's not going to be a waste. Hearty amen to that. Yeah, I love that. Um, so my last question for you guys, how can we as writers grow and focus on living a good story to help deepen the themes in our stories? I think sometimes we have to have the courage to do the things that we are asking our characters to do. Over the, the past few months in my own life, there have been some different issues I've been working through in terms of realizing, oh, there are some flaws that I have, and I need to have the courage to actually face some of those flaws and work with them as opposed to ignoring them. And if I'm going to ask my characters to face different things head on instead of pretending they don't exist, I need to do that in my own life as well. And so I think this is part of where, as a Christian, our storytelling flows from our lives, whether we want it or not, and just by seeking to follow Christ faithfully. We are cultivating and helping our soul in the ways that is also going to enable us to be able to tell better stories when we sit down to write as well. Very relatable, Josiah. I like that. I like that a lot. So yes, courage. That's awesome. I would add that kind of like a sandwich, like Josiah's given us the bread. I would add some lettuce and tomatoes of prayer all the time because the ideas that we get from our little noggins, from our little neurons firing electronically and being happy up there. Well, when we get our ideas, they're a collection of our experiences, our character arcs, everything that we're going through, it creates this complex web that eventually comes out in characters and story and story world. And I think that since ideas are such an ethereal concept, God could work through them very mightily because it's hard for us to figure out where they come from. So definitely pray. Pray not only that your novel has these great ideas and that you have brilliant realizations about it, but also that if there is something in your life that is blocking your creativity, that he would show it to you. And then once you pray that, keep your eyes open for chances where he's trying to show that to you or chances that he's giving you to step up. Because once you pray those prayers, once you ask God for that, he will show you very interesting and odd opportunities. He won't do it in the way you expect, but it'll happen. So, yes, prayer and courage are two of the staples, I think, of living a life that can help you write a good story. Both of those are such excellent answers. One thing I thought of, Gabby, when you were talking is I think sometimes I'm too introverted to think about myself. And I find that I can live a better life sometimes when I am inspired by those around me who are living a good story. I think we can sometimes look to others to find this is what this looks like. This is what joy looks like. This is how you overcome an obstacle. You can see that in the people around you. And there's no rule that says it has to come all from us. You can look to others and find that inspiration to write. Thank you so much, Lori, Josiah, and Gabby, for sharing your inspiring thoughts on this episode. And thank you to all of you listeners who tuned in. 
If you have a topic or question you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, please email us at info at storyembers.org to let us know. And as always, special thanks to our Patreon supporters, Taylor Clarkson, Michael Stanton, and Renee Kennedy. And finally, join us again on June 19th as we discuss the topic, Were Christians Ever Made to Fit into Genre Boxes? on the next episode of the Story Embers podcast. <laughs>